irreverent, entertaining, cool. You are listening to LA Talk Radio. We say what we want. You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch. Only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone, to another weekly installment of Impact Hiring Solutions Live. My name is Barry Deutsch, and I'm with my partner, Brad Remillard. Every week, we do a live radio broadcast here on LA Talk Radio. We alternate weekly between topics for hiring managers and executives on how to hire better talent, how to source great talent, retention, motivational issues, and then the alternating week we discuss issues of conducting an effective job search from how to write resumes, working with recruiters, negotiating compensation, uh, how to interview, the best interview questions, tips and techniques on networking, and so forth. We take all of that content. And we put it on our website. We feed it into iTunes. You can download it or stream it from our website under the respective free sections, either under the hiring manager tab or the candidates tab on our website. Uh, If you'd like to join us, you can participate in our conversation today in one of two ways. One way is to actually call in and have an opportunity to have your thought, opinion, question, comment uh, voiced live, and and Brad and I will try to get to those calls if we can. Uh, The topic today is going to be a little bit controversial, but um, hopefully we'll have time to to touch on everyone's comments if we can. Uh, The other way, uh, well, before I go down that path, Brad, what's the phone number everyone can call in on? They want to call us, they want to talk to us live during the show. Uh, They can call us uh, at 818-602- 4929. 818-602-4929, and uh, uh, Dina will bring you right through to us. The other option, in case you're in a work environment, a cubicle, a place where it's uncomfortable to uh, speak live, you're welcome to send your question, thought, or comment by email to info, I-N-F-O, at impacthiringsolutions.com, and Brad and I will try to pick up those emails during the course of our program and share it with the audience today. Today we have a fascinating topic that has uh, generated a a storm of comments um, in many of the LinkedIn groups we participate in, in our LinkedIn job search group that Brad and I uh, host and moderate on our career blog. Um, And this is the title of a recent post uh, that Brad wrote called How Recruiters Read Your Resume in 10 seconds. So I'm going to turn our program now over to my partner, Brad Remillard, to introduce this subject. Thanks, Barry. Well, I think a storm is uh, being polite. It's more like critique Katrina uh, that has uh, generated uh, heated discussions on both sides of our blog. Uh, the comments, I think we're over 100 comments right now on that article, and uh, you can read it on our blog if you'd like to read it ahead of time, and you're welcome to join it. Just go to our blog, which is Impact hiring solutions.com forward slash career blog and then click on the uh, category called resumes which is like an index on the right hand side and scroll down and you'll see it it's just how recruiters read a uh, resume in 10 seconds or less and basically I when I wrote it uh, it's kind of gone viral on Twitter and I think we've had over 10,000 hits on that blog article when I wrote it I was just writing it with the intent not to create a uh, 
a storm, as you said, Barry, or a blizzard, I guess. Uh, I was just writing it to give information to candidates to help them understand their frustration. Because as you know, Barry, you and I get many, let's just leave it at many, emails, comments, have heard from candidates about how frustrated they are about recruiters and how we don't give their resume time to read. We don't look at their resumes. Uh, recruiters don't get all those problems about recruiters. And by extension, in many cases, it goes into the hiring managers and CEOs. And then they're you know, basically, I wrote another blog called What Happens to Your Resume in the Black Hole or How to Keep Your Resume Out of That Proverbial Black Hole because candidates feel that when they send their resume, it just ends up in this black hole. Particularly, I think they're addressing the uh, the comment around when they reply to a uh, uh, an ad, maybe a posting, they send their resume and they never hear back. And you know, if I'm wrong, this is your chance. If you're listening to call in and correct us or give your two cents, but uh, that's my sense when I wrote that article. And it was really just an innocuous kind of way to say, "Hey, here's some of the priorities we look at." And if you don't meet these priorities, don't get frustrated. Uh, we can't possibly get back to anybody, everybody. Uh, I know the two searches I'm doing right now, I mean, I've probably received over a 1,000 resumes. Barry, you've got a couple of searches going. How many resumes have you received on the searches you have going? Uh, I've easily received five to 600 in just the first week of um – advertising, broadcasting, social networking, putting it out there to our job search communities, and, and I'm getting resumes probably at the rate of 50 to 100 a day coming in. Yeah, and I just wanted people to know that when you get that volume, it's not reasonable to expect that we're going to take the time to literally read every single one of them. I mean, if it took a minute to read every one of them, and I got a thousand of them, I don't know how many minutes or how many hours are in a thousand, but it's more time than I got. And so I wrote this article and I listed, I think I listed maybe eight different, nine different kind of criteria or prioritizing criteria that I go through. And, and Barry, you may do it differently that I go through to, to, to weed through the resumes and get it down to a manageable number of people to that I can actually read the resume. Obviously, I can't read a complete resume in 10 seconds. So I've got to have some screening mechanism to do that. And I started going through and listing out some of that uh, screening mechanism that we go through. Uh, And that's what, for lack of a better word, created this vast storm that uh, Canis didn't like the fact that we go through. and so with that in mind, uh, we've, I've tried to be rep- politeful and respond to their, to their uh, comments, but you know, obviously we can't keep everybody happy. And I think if I had to be honest, I would say the, the one area that I started with, I mentioned um, for me, I start with the area of location. I mentioned my first – well, let me back up a minute because one of the things that I do mention in the article that I think most people have just skimmed over is I mentioned in a kind of a – before I got to the listing of the areas, what I mentioned was I think very important. I think people screamed over this. Uh, nothing is 100%. I mentioned that this is kind of the 80-20 rule where 
maybe 80% of the time, this is how we screen resumes. And there are exceptions to every rule. Uh, but in a general way, this is how we do things. And I think the comments back look like it said, boy, 100% of the time, every single time. Again, I, I use the bell-shaped curve, and when I try to explain that, this is what we do in the middle, in, a, in the meaty part of the bell-shaped curve. Uh, maybe it's 60, maybe it's 70, maybe it's 80, but this is how I screen, number one. Number two, as I look at the comments, candidates tend to make a big mistake when they read this. The comments back you're sh- basically, you're shooting the recruiter. You recruiters do a terrible job. You don't screen, you don't read, blah, blah, blah. You're shooting the messenger. We're just doing what our clients tell us. You know, If a client tells me they absolutely positively are not going to relocate somebody, they don't want to look at candidates outside the area, I can debate that with them. I can discuss that with them. As recruiters, Barry and I can counsel them. But if they're not going to do it, how much time, Barry, are you going to spend looking at a resume outside the area? Zero. Yeah. And if you're a candidate, if you're a hiring manager, and your company tells you, your CEO comes to you and says, we're not going to relocate. We can't pay the $50,000. We live in the largest metropolitan area in the country. And your CEO says to you, we're not relocating. As the hiring manager, how much time are you going to spend looking at companies or candidates outside the local area? Zero. We're no different. Clients set the criteria. As retained recruiters, and Barry and I are retained recruiters, different from contingent, we're not going to do that. And I would say, Barry, that's what's created the biggest storm. And I think it's because people don't read the the one issue I talk about in their location that, I don't know, but you can talk about your searches, the two searches I'm doing right now, they're generic. I don't need, there's nothing unique about the person that I'm looking for that this person probably won't live in the Los Angeles area. I'm doing, an area, I'm doing a search in Los Angeles and one in Houston. The search I'm doing in Los Angeles, this is a huge area with 12 to 13% unemployment. Do you really believe that there's not a good salesperson in the Los Angeles area that I can't find? What do you think, Barry? It's not even worth the time because in many cases, <clears throat> unless the search is so specialized and the client is indicated, like one of my projects is national in scope, and, and they'll look for anybody like a sales executive that's virtual out of anywhere in the country, but that's a rarity. Most companies want to hire a local candidate. They don't want to pay reload. Even if the candidate's willing to pay their own reload, <clears throat> they don't want to go through the problems and hassles of bringing someone in from out of the area. It, it, I'd be beating my head on the wall to present that candidate no matter how good they are if they're out of the local area. And in the vast majority of cases, my clients have said to me, point blank, don't show us someone that's not within immediate commuting distance of our office location. This is the point that Brad made before. We're not bad guys. Our clients are not bad people. They have put a criteria together and have asked us to do that. 
And, and we're not doing this for free or just flinging candidates in the door. They're paying us a lot of money to do this. So we kind of have to meet their expectation. And if we don't, we'll never get another piece of business from them. And secondly, they'll slap our hands pretty hard. Yeah, I think uh, that's the, the point we're doing. The client is paying us tens of thousands of dollars to find somebody who meets their requirements. I mean, if they want to just hire anybody, they wouldn't hire us. They would just run an ad and take somebody off the ad who lives anywhere, move them here, and be done with it. They are paying us an enormous amount of money to find them a very specific person. Now, that doesn't mean that the requirements aren't general for the background of the person, like sales or account or an HR person. It just means one of the criteria is uh, find somebody in L.A. And in fact, one of the things we get a lot of comments of that uh, we're not doing our customer a favor. We're lazy. That's one of the comments that's come back. You're just a lazy recruiter not want to look at resumes. I would suggest to you that it's just the opposite. The easy way out would be to take rec- to my client, hey, let me just find somebody anywhere on the continent and sort them in. Then I don't have to do a search. I can just find anybody anywhere. The hard part is finding somebody within a one-hour commute of downtown L.A. or a one-hour commute of Long Beach. That takes a lot of effort and time, and I'd make a heck of a lot more money and reduce my cost substantially if I could just pick somebody and say, here's somebody in Cleveland, bring them in. I don't have to do a search then. I just can just find somebody. So if anything, it's the harder way out for a recruiter, and candidates just don't understand this, how difficult it is. But in this economy... I would be doing my client and recognize the client is the company, not the candidate. The candidate is not our client. I would be doing them an injustice if I said to them, you know what, in this big, huge metropolitan area like Los Angeles, your requirements are so specific that I can't find somebody in this big area that you got to pay fifty, sixty thousand dollars relocation and look outside the area, or you got to go through all the logistics of bringing and paying somebody to fly in and fly out. It just would be unethical of me as a recruiter to do that. Any other comments on lost on location, Barry? No, I think that's pretty good. We we beat that one into the ground. But I'm sorry. Let me let me make one comment. Uh, I, I'm amazed at the level of frustration the candidates express even to the point of nasty emails being written back to you and I of why we won't consider their background on a search when they're out of the area. And, and again, I just want to reiterate, it, it's not that there's something wrong with you. Uh, you may, in fact, be the best candidate possible. It's just we're meeting our clients' expectations, and there's no reason to get angry or mad at us for that. We're operating a business just like any other business. We have to meet our client demands. Yeah, and I was going to – the other thing I think candidates miss is they assume – and this I've noticed in the emails, and this is the second part of this relocation issue that I was going to bring up. They assume that they're the only good candidate, and there are no – we can't find any great candidates local. Even if you are a good candidate, and I, as a recruiter, can find a great candidate local – Lee, why would I not show that person to my client first? Don't I have that obligation? So granted, if I can't find somebody local or in the, within an hour a commute or so, 
then I need to go outside the area. But that's very remote. So as I look at these emails, one of the misconceptions that these candidates have when they say we're not doing our candidate a favor, client a favor, or we're not treating our clients fairly, is they're assuming they're, that they're the only good candidate, that there are no good candidates locally. And in fact, again, generally speaking, most positions are not so specific or so narrow what they're looking for, that there aren't great candidates. If I can show my client six great candidates in the local area without any relocation, where the candidate's got a half hour commute and you're in 3,000 miles away, I'm sorry, my client's going to look at those people first. Just gonna, it's just the way it goes. Anything else? No, I think we've killed that one. What, what do you see as the next issue in reading the resume in 10 seconds? Yeah, the second thing that I kind of look for, and the rest kind of get blurry after this. It may not be a priority in the truest sense, but the other area that I look at, I look at industry is another area. You know, if I'm looking for somebody in manufacturing and you come out of banking, you're not the right candidate for me and you're gone. I just had this happen to me. I got an email from a guy swearing up and down how good, perfect he was for this VPS sales search I'm doing and he was in Hawaii. Well, I wrote him back and I said, Hey, we're not relocating. He wrote me back and said, Brad, I have a house in Los Angeles. My wife and I are trying to move back. No relocation. I've already got a home there. All right. You leveled the playing field a lot. If you were really perfect, I could go to my client and I could say, you know, he's got a home here. They lived here. They want to come back. And eh, maybe you got to pay five grand to look at him. And I'd fight that battle. So I looked at his resume. Now, I'm looking for somebody with manufacturing background in a medical device industry. He comes out of distribution of consumer products. He's never worked in a manufacturing environment, let alone in medical industries where medical device where it's very controlled, regulated, a lot of issues around uh, certification, uh, F, um, uh, the uh, regulatory agencies. F, I can't, I'm blank on the uh, regulatory agencies. But anyway, uh, they're not there. He comes out of consumer products. So I wrote him back. I said, you may have a great background, but I'm sorry. I need people on a medical device, and I've got people in Orange County who have medical device because it's a huge medical device area. So industry for me is very important. What do you find? The industry um, depends on the role. More along the lines of if we're doing sales-related searches, then industry is probably going to be much more important. If we're doing a finance search or a marketing search, product management uh industry may not be as important but there will be some tangential industries they'll want the person to come out of um particularly if you're selling to consumers if you're selling oem products uh on finance you know people who don't have manufacturing experience are going to have a hard time taking a financial management job in a manufacturing company so uh, i would say type of industry type of products market served is probably the next quick area we take a glance at and if it's way off the mark then we're not going to go forward yeah i mean even a finance guy if you take a cfo the probability of going from a cfo from a banking industry a highly regulated uh organization dealing with doesn't have inventory doesn't have cost of goods sold moving into a manufacturing medical device it's not going to happen it's too big a leap. And again, the candidates have to recognize, I will find people 
in that area. And a lot of times, companies want industry experience. Again, it kind of goes back to our client. A lot of clients retain us specifically because they want somebody with industry experience. Their answer is, if I, if I don't need industry experience, Brad, I don't need you. So, again, they're coming to us saying, the reason they're not paying us is go find me somebody with industry experience. I may try and debate that. I may say, look, you know, maybe it's not medical device, maybe just good manufacturing, maybe uh, systems manufacturing or custom engineering manufacturing might work versus uh, process manufacturing of food. So you, as recruiters, we try and branch that out and expand that circle as much as possible. But the industry has to be something uh, related or tangential to what we're talking about. Another area that I talk about. And let me just do a brief update here. For those that are just joining us, uh, I'm Brad Rimmler. I'm with my partner, Barry Deutsch. Uh, you're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions Live. We're every Monday from 11 to noon on LA Talk Radio. Uh, we do a show about hiring. One week it's about candidates and how candidates can find a job quicker. And another week it's on from a hiring manager perspective and some of the issues that hiring managers uh, encounter when they're looking to hire someone. Today's topic is a very controversial topic that we did a blog on, and that's about how recruiters read a resume in 10 seconds. And so we're going through some of the box checking, I guess we'd call it, Barry, where we kind of box check to get through the volumes of resumes that we receive in a reasonable amount of time to screen them down to a manageable number where we can actually read them and this comes from a blog article that I wrote and you can look at the uh, you can look the article up if you'd like it's on our blog and that blog address is impacthiringsolutions.com forward slash career blog and then on the right hand side you'll see a thing called category scroll down to resumes click that and it will come up uh, third or fourth on the list uh, and there are eight or nine things that I said this is what I go through when I look at a resume these are the kind of things that I screen on, I think Barry screens on, uh, and uh, that information is right on our blog. So the other area that I would talk about, Barry, that I screen on pretty regularly is function. Now, I know this seems so obvious, but I got to tell you, I cannot tell you how many resumes we receive that we're looking for a salesperson, we get a marketing person. We're looking for a finance person, and we get a salesperson. Uh, sometimes the functions aren't even close. Sometimes they're close. You're looking for an HR person and maybe you get a compensation expert. Or you're looking for a uh, CFO and you get a person that has been in banking. Uh, so I'm looking for – remember, one of the things important, as a recruiter – we're looking for very specific things. Ultimately, Barry's and I's and most recruiters' goals, particularly retained recruiters like Barry and I, is to do our best to find that perfect candidate, not just a good candidate. I often ask candidates, how many of you believe that a recruiter's job is to find qualified candidates? And most people respond, yes. My answer is, you're wrong. Our job as recruiters to our clients is to find the exceptionally qualified candidate, the one that meets the – if the client is looking for 10 things and they can find six on their own, they're paying Barry and I to find them nine out of those 10. 
And so we're looking for as close to the perfect fit as we can. And so functional area has to align very quickly. And that's why we have put a free sample cover letter on our website. Go to impacthiringsolutions.com. Scroll down. You'll see a what's new box. I don't know, three or four down, you'll see a way to a, a sample cover letter. That cover letter specifically aligns the background of your background to what we're looking for. So you kind of get, we can get a quick window of how well you align. But quite frankly, from a functional side, Barry, we're looking for that really close fit, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Um, and, and just when we see a resume that's, like you said, we're looking for a finance person and we get someone who is more an operations person or we're looking for a chief operating officer with uh, process improvement, we get someone who's focused more on external sales. It just doesn't work. That's yeah, going to be the next big area. And, and you can pretty much tell that by looking at someone's titles within seconds. Yeah, that's that that's that's really important to recognize that the uh the 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 functional area and the other thing I'll say I think I touched upon a little bit later but the other thing you know if you were a controller 15 years ago and you decided to take a uh, a change in your career and go into sales or go into operations uh and for the last 15 years you've been in sales and I I touch upon this a little bit later I, it's great that you were a, a controller 15 years ago, but I'm not looking for a controller for the last 15 years. I'm looking for a controller who's been a controller the 15 years that you've been in sales. I'm looking for a controller for the last 15 years has shown me that that's where they want to go. So that, that timing is equally as important of what you're currently doing. Very good point, Brad. What is the next area that you focus on in terms of screening resumes? The next area for me, and, it, and it's again, they're not these aren't, at this point aren't necessarily hierarchical. They're just I look for is level. What level of the organization are you in? And this is a two way street. This is another very controversial issue. I think candidates move this issue into age discrimination, and I don't believe it. But let me give you what I mean. If I'm looking for a CFO, and you're an accounting manager, you're out. In all probability, again, keeping the main bell-shaped curve, I realize titles are nebulous. I understand that. Barry understands that. We're smart enough to know that. I know a CFO at General Motors is not the same as a CFO at a $2 million company. I'm smart enough to figure that out. But as a general rule, if you're an accounting manager in a similar size organization and I'm looking for a CFO and your title is accounting manager, it's way too big a leap to go from accounting manager to CFO. If you're a sales rep in a similar size organization, I'm looking for a VP of sales, it's too big a leap. But the reverse is true also. I know if for the last 10 years you've been a CFO, I know you're qualified to be a controller. But as a recruiter, I'm not looking for someone to take a step backwards on a, as a general rule. I'm looking for someone to take a step forward. So maybe you've been a controller at a larger organization, and it's a CFO at a smaller organization. That's a step forward. I may take a look at that. So level to me is very important. Just because you're qualified for a position, i.e. if a VP of sales going to a sales manager, 
doesn't mean you're the right person that my client is looking for. Level to me is very important. How do you sort on level, Barry? Well, I may be a little bit more open on that because I have trouble when I look at different size companies figuring out is a manager in one company a director in another? Is someone who has a director title in one company really a vice president in another? So one of the things I have to measure that against, and this is where one of my greatest frustrations comes in, and I'll actually put a little plug in here for a free tool that I just put together one, that we'll be posting up in the near future. One of the things that I look for is a recruiter. And many of my clients, human resources, hiring managers, told me this, is it's very hard to get any gauge of whether someone's going to be appropriate because nobody describes the scope or significance of their company. They don't say, what are the annual sales? How many total employees are there? What the reporting relationship is between them and the next person up the food chain? Is it at an individual site? Is Are they part of a corporate office? Even when somebody goes, I'm a member of the, uh, uh, I, you know, I worked at GE, which has 50,000 worldwide employees. Well, I know you didn't work with 50,000 other people. Were you based in the uh, South Dakota, Biz, you know, Bismarck, uh, maybe it's North Dakota, uh, Bismarck uh, plant location where there were 50 people? I have no sense of scope, relationship of your job title to the num- other people in the organization, where you fit in, size, and now what you're forcing me to do as a recruiter, because here's where you get excluded a lot of times. You force me to either write you an email to clarify that information, or you force me to pick up the phone. And when I have a thousand resumes, if I have to pick up the phone or send an email for clarification, you're going on to the back burner pile. Because the first group I'm going to look at are the ones that I already have the easy information in front of me. And being a recruiter... And I, again, I teach the same concept. I'll use a basketball metaphor. I'm sure many of you have watched basketball. And you see kids, you even see it in the NBA, people try to throw the most difficult pass. They throw it across court, it gets intercepted, picked off, somebody runs down the court and makes a layup. And so one of the concepts I always teach is, I call it, use the path of least resistance. Make the easy pass. Do the things that are simple. Okay. And as recruiters, we have to figure out how to leverage our time. The same concept, by the way, applies to hiring managers and human resource professionals. And so we're going to take the path of least resistance, and we're going to first look at the people who have provided that information. And I may never get to that other pile of people who didn't provide it because I can't figure out what your title is relative to the type of company you're in or the size or the scope. Does that make sense, Brad? Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, I was going to touch on a little bit, but you did a great job. I have a blog. When you go to that, when you go to our career blog, impacthiringsolutions.com forward slash career blog, and then you go to the category called uh, resumes, you can scroll down further and you'll see another um, blog called, and I have a YouTube video up on this called Vital Information is Missing from Your Resume. And that is one of the key things that we stress in our resume kit. Uh, we have a what we call a complete Resume system to teach you how to put together an effective, professional, highly skilled resume that's going to get noticed. And that's available on our website. It's that we have uh, examples in our book that's on our website to download. And you can get the book for free for just shipping. We'll send it out to you. 
that talks about how critical that information is and how much vital information is missing on resumes to help that reader make a decision. And that's a big one. How do I know what a VP of sales is if you don't tell me anything? And my favorite one, Barry, for off on a little bit of a tangent here, is how can any salesperson have a resume and not tell you what the product is they're selling and who the customer they're selling to? We should probably do a whole another show just on you know, what, what information should be on a resume. But you're absolutely right. My assumption is, though, that I agree with you that if um, I'm looking for a VP of sales and I see sales director, um, maybe a sales manager, a national sales manager, a global sales manager, I'll take a closer look at. But I'm talking about those big jumps where it's obvious it's a step back or it's a step forward that in a matter of seconds, you can make that decision that the person is not the right level for this job. I mean, and in some cases, it just doesn't take a lot of thought to make this decision that this person is not at the right level for this position. Do you agree there are obvious situations like that? There, there are many obvious situations like that. Um, and again, it's, it's one of my big frustrations is when I look at a resume, and as you said, that vital information is missing. In fact, on this resume checklist, it's... And this hasn't changed much, Brad, in probably a quarter of a century. I tell candidates you must have one or two sentences that give the person reading your resume a sense of the scope and size of your business. Number of employees, number of facilities, where you fit in. You're not part of 50,000 people at GE. You're part of a 50-person plant. And if you don't provide that information hoping to, quote, hide it so that someone will want to call you, it actually has the opposite effect. It's a turnoff, and I take your resume and I stick it on the maybe I'll call these people pile. And yeah, it again, goes, it's just it goes that proverbial B pile. What's that? It goes in that proverbial B pile. Yeah, exactly. And I may never get to the B pile. Um, so that that's a major frustration. It's on our checklist. Brad wrote about in the blog. We talk about it in our uh, uh, job workbook. This is not the position I accepted. It's in our resume kit. We've got audio programs that touch on this concept. It is a best practice in putting a resume together to have that information. Now, here's the problem. You will be screened out for a number of jobs because your title the size of the company, the scope, which you've been involved in, the location isn't a fit. In fact, I've noticed a trend recently, Brad, where people are starting to leave their location, their address off their resume in the hope that they'll get a phone call because they don't include it. Yeah, that's amazing to me. Like, okay, all you're going to do is it's not going to change anything. All they're going to do is pick the phone up be livid with you that you did this, or they're just not going to pick the phone up. That's gonna, the risk. That's yeah. the risk, yeah. Either way, you're going to get screwed. What candidates think is, well, gee, I think I'll get into the back door. I'll be sneaky, not put it on there. So I call you, and so I send you an email to tell me you're in Kansas. It's over anyway. It doesn't matter. It's over anyway. And without it there, you're never going to get it. Now, this comes at the other frustration I have as a recruiter. And, and I've had, I'm about to write a blog on this subject. I've had lots of conversations with candidates over the last three to four months on this subject. Many candidates believe in their job search that they will have more luck using a shotgun approach to applying for jobs. And, and these are primarily the folks that are, you know, 90% of their job search is answering ads. And, and what they do is, even if there's a remotely 
a remote keyword, they will shotgun their resume with the same resume they use for every job. They don't make any modifications or changes. And if they send a cover letter, which they usually don't because it takes too much effort, it's the same standard cover letter, dear to whom it may concern kind of thing. Um, first of all, when I see that, I don't even bother looking at the candidate. To me, that's just a shotgunning. You're begging for a job. You're desperate. I just throw that, that resume to the side. But the problem is you many candidates believe that if they send out a 1,000 resumes on a monthly basis, maybe they'll get 10 job interviews. They, they're playing a numbers game. Brad Nyer of the belief and our research bears out in this, that instead of shotgunning your resume and your cover letter to every job that has a remote keyword, for example, you see a job advertisement for a sales rep that's the job you had 15 years ago because now you're a VP of sales, but because it had the word sales in it, you apply to it anyway. That's just a waste of time. I, I, I can't even understand why people do that. I think your better success is targeting your search. Applying to what I'll call appropriate jobs, customizing your cover letter using the cover letter technique that we've talked about, and you can download that free cover letter uh, sample from our website. A more which targeted, is, pardon? Which is? Which is what? Our website. Oh, sorry. Impact H. It's ImpactHiringSolutions.com, and at the bottom of our homepage, where it says what's new at Impact Hiring Solutions, there is a number of items of free downloads, tools, templates, examples, illustrations, and one of those is our cover letter sample that presents a, if nothing short of a revolutionary approach to matching up with what you can do to what an employer needs. And very simply, allowing within seconds a recruiter, an HR manager, uh, a hiring manager to quickly grasp you're a good fit for this role. But I got sidetracked. So I'm coming back to my thought that instead of broadcasting your resume, shotgunning your resume to use a more targeted approach for jobs that are appropriate. And if you use the techniques that we're talking about and that we're hitting upon in this conversation – You'll have a much higher success rate getting to the stage of an interview. Well, I, I Twitter all the time, and uh, I'm thinking about how to write a blog on this. And maybe that's what you're talking about, so I don't need to write one then. Um, I Twitter all the time to never, never, ever use these resume blasting systems. You see them on time. You know, you'll see a, an advertisement, or you'll see a thing on Twitter. You know, blast your resume. Get your resume out to a thousand recruiters. What an absolute waste of money! No recruiter is going to look at them. They, if at best, they're going to go into some resume database. Most of them are going to go into the resume database called junk mail, and they're going to get deleted. Save your money and use a targeted approach where you really do fit that job, and you'll get a call. One of the things candidates, I think, don't really think about as much as we want to fill that job as badly as you want the job. It's just that candidates, for some reason, think because the keyword sales came up, they're automatically qualified. Like this one guy in Hawaii. He swore he was qualified. He didn't even come close to what uh, my uh, um, I, I sent a blast out to my network. And it very clearly said, must have manufacturing experience with medical device. He had consumer products distribution. And yet, because he was in sales, he swore to me how good he was. He wasn't close. So 
that that's when I talk about kind of this functional area. I touch upon um, uh, recent experience. That's what I mean by recent experience. Is your experience consistent with what we're looking for? If your recent experience was 10 years ago, you were a controller, and because you were in, went, moved off into sales and I'm looking for a controller, I'm sorry. I can find controllers with recent experience. I mentioned education. You know, I'm an executive recruiter. My clients are going to look for people with degrees. I know a lot of people hate that, but they're going to look for people with degrees, often advanced degrees, often specific degrees. They may want a degree in uh, thermoplastics. They may want a degree in electronic engi- electrical engineering, electronic engineering, mechanical engineering, and even in a specific area within mechanical engineering. And we got to provide that. They may want a CPA because they're a publicly traded company. Again, I'm here to do what my client wants, try and coach them as much as possible that you know maybe a person without that CPA can still do the job, but if they're adamant, they're adamant. Any thoughts on that, Barry? Nope. I think that's, that's a good one. We've got about uh, maybe 10 minutes left. Is there one or two other areas, Brad, that fall into that? Here's how recruiters, HR managers, hiring managers read your resume in 10 seconds or less. Well, the other thing I look at is turnover. Now, I don't know how to define turnover. I always use the analogy, uh, which the Justice Stevens used when he defined pornography. He said, I, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Well, same thing with me. I don't know what turnover is, but I know it when I see it. If you've had six jobs in the last three years and each one's been for six months, Probably, gonna, I'm probably going to put you in the B to C pile. Uh, you know, I, they're, they're, I don't know what high turnover is. Again, I just know it when I see it. So my client is going to look for some stability. What do you? Your thoughts on turnover, Barry? How do you deal with that issue? I look at turnover as, and, and this is the same perspective I've had for 25 years, and I, and I make adjustments to this, and I agree with with Brad's comment. Maybe. Pornography wasn't the best metaphor, but but let's leave it at that for a minute. Uh, I look at someone's background, and if you've had five jobs in 10 years, in other words, every job has been a year, year and a half, two years, and then you've jumped to the next job, and that's a pattern that's gone on four or five times, the hairs are going to stand up on the back of my neck, and I'm going to look at that and go, can I present this background to a client? Or will they summarily reject it just on the turnover alone? And if your background isn't absolutely extraordinary, in other words, you're not a top 1% candidate in fitting every single other element of our job spec, our definition of success, then I'm probably not going to pick up the phone and call you because your turnover is too high. Now, there are some exceptions to this rule, particularly folks who are in the IT space where the level of turnover is approaching mercenary levels, but it's still every time I see a resume that's got four to five jobs over a decade, you know, in rapid fashion, year, year and a half, two years, no promotion, no track record, just a jump to another job, every hair goes up on the back of my neck. And the reality is I probably call less than 10% of the candidates I see that have that kind of background. Yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. Turnover, maybe that's a good example. It just uh, it raises the questions, and I know my clients are going to have questions, and uh, I'm going to put you in the B pile. But if I find an A resume, someone with a great resume with no turnover, as good or better than you, I'm go- they're going to my A pile. 
the other area I want to talk about, and this we we need to really have a maybe our next show bear should be on kind of resumes that vital area of information. The other area that uh, I have been on panels with other recruiters and HR people. I have been in multiple webinars with. Uh, um, or con- teleconference, I guess they are, with other people, other experts on the line. Um, I don't read a functional resume. Uh, I mean, I glance through them, but most functional resumes are so hard for me to figure out. I don't even look at them, and I rarely take the time to try and figure out a functional resume. To me, a functional resume is deficient from a standpoint of you list all these bullet points at the top, but I have no idea where you did them, when you did them, the scope, the type of company that you were in. I don't have any idea of recognizing the size of the organization because they're just telling me you made some accomplishment. I don't know the environment. Was it a $20 million company you worked at 15 years ago? There's so much information that I don't have, which Barry alluded to earlier, number one. And number two, I, for the most part, know when I see a functional resume, the person is trying to hide something. Usually it's age. They may be trying to hide high turnover. They may be trying to hide a gap in their resume. They may be trying to hide that they had to take three steps back and they're trying to rebuild their career. I just know, and I, and all the panels and the hundreds of recruiters and hiring managers and CEOs and HR people, I have never had anybody yet tell me they like a functional resume. Not one. What are your thoughts on a functional resume, Barry? I throw them in the trash. I delete them. I, the first thing that screams off the page is, what are you trying to hide? Yeah, exactly. And, and typically, it's one of two things. You're either trying to hide your age okay, by, by putting a functional resume together because you feel you might be considered overqualified, or you're trying to hide gaps in your resume. Now, I personally, as a success-driven recruiter, I could care less about your age. I do care about the gaps in your resume without explanations, but my client is going to look at a functional resume, and they're going to say, who are you kidding? They want to see it in a chronological format. If I see things on your functional resume that catch my eye, I might I might send you an email back saying, send me a chronological resume. But in most cases, I'm hitting the delete key. And that's just not us talking. I'm telling you, I've talked to hundreds. I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years. This September, I've been a recruiter for 30 years. I've talked to thousands and thousands and thousands of hiring managers, HR people, candidates. Nobody likes a functional resume except the person trying to hide something. And you might as well send a chronological resume with your cover letter saying, or rather, I'm sorry, you might as well send a functional resume with a cover letter that says, try and find what I'm trying to hide. It's a big red flag. Everybody knows you're trying to hide something. So by virtue of everybody knowing it, it backfires because they know you're trying to hide something. Don't use them. And then the last thing, because we've got about three minutes left, I mean, I go through the obvious, uh, the spelling errors, the uh, poor format, uh, grammar, uh, a lot of uh, – this is not – I don't necessarily rule you out on this, but I just recommend don't do it. A lot of industry unique jargon and abbreviations where you try hard to get a sense on. I just wouldn't encourage doing it. Um, Rambling, where you try and you know it's a five-page resume that could be in two res- two two uh, pages or one page, but you ramble on and on about this. You've turned into an autobiography instead of a resume. Uh, those basic kinds of things that I'm looking for, vital information that I need to make a decision, will put you in the B pile. Things like Barry said, size of the company, the products of the company, uh, 
Uh, maybe a little bit about your organization. Do you manage people? How big is the organization? Do you have multiple locations? Some of those basic things, Barry. Anything else in the in a minute or two that we have left that, that I've missed from your standpoint? No, I think those are the, the basic areas. I would like to direct our listeners to a few resources to help them put together more effective resumes that win interviews. That includes our blog at impacthiringsolutions.com slash career blog, where we've published many articles, some of which have created a storm of controversy around the subject matter, but there's some really good content and many comments on that. Brad and I co-host, co-moderate a LinkedIn discussion group on effective job search, and this is a raging conversation in that uh, uh, job discussion group that you might want to join and participate in. And then we have a ton of free content on our website, other audio programs on resume writing, cover letters. Um, We have samples. Our, Our cover letter sample in our Unique T format has probably been one of the most popular downloads of all time. Thousands have downloaded this and improved the way they respond to job opportunities. And then finally, and perhaps most importantly of all, we have a fairly inexpensively priced resume kit to help you write more effective resumes. The reality is we've probably given away 99% of that kit in our blogs, our audio programs, our templates, our forms that we offer for free. But if you'd like it all consolidated in one place in a nice, easy-to-use kit, it's right there on our website in our uh, product section uh, for candidates. Brad, any last thought before we end our radio broadcast today? Just one area that I would tell people that that I think is – and again, it's free, so – uh, also, if you on our website, ImpactHiringSolutions.com, if you go to the top where it says Candidates, hover your cursor over that, you'll see a thing that says Free Resources. There is a wealth of absolutely free resources, and one of them is we take all these radio shows, and we've been doing these now for almost a year, I think, uh, and we post them on our website. And we give a little uh, summary of what the show is, the title of the show. So if you have a particular topic that you'd like to listen to uh, on an audio file, and you can download it and listen to it in your car or wherever, uh, you can, they're up on iTunes also if you want to put it on, your, on a pod. Uh, they're also available there. So all of these radio shows are also available, and, they're, and it's all. Everything Barry and I have talked about is free. The What's New section on our homepage is free downloads. Um, granted, there's products there, but... You can engage on the free stuff. If you like the free stuff and it's helpful and you still need more help, then we provide products for you. But there is a uh, cornucopia, if you will, of free downloads to help you go through your search uh, effectively, efficiently, very professionally, and make sure that you stand out. And most importantly, you align these resumes and you align your job search with what that company is looking for. That's the key to a great job search, and that's the key to finding that next position. Thanks for listening to Impact Hiring Live with uh, Barry Deutsch. I'm Brad Remillart. We'll be back next week on LA Talk Radio and every week at 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch, only on LA Talk Radio.